Hi everybody, Jim here from Directors Club, obviously. I just wanted to preface this episode with a hearty thanks once again to everybody, um, all the many podcasts that have influenced us, the listeners, the guests, the fans, all of that. Um, I believe we've sung the praises of all who've supported us over the years, both on the uh, Best of 2012 episode and here, but uh, I also wanted to preface this anniversary show, part two of episode 50, with a little heads up regarding towards the end, you're going to hear Patrick's heater kick on, and that's where we get a little frantic because sound quality takes a little dip, and we decide um, at one point, and I'm pretty sure I even bring it up, but I want to make sure that you stick around about the hour and ten minute mark or so. That's kind of when we decide to wrap things up and include a little montage of clips towards the very end. So um, stick around. At the very end of the episode, you're going to hear uh, several clips strung together that didn't make it into the actual episode, but technically it is a part of the episode because it's at the very end in a nice little montage with some music in the background. So I hope you enjoy this um, significantly shorter episode than the best of 2012 episode but this is our clip show as you're about to hear and thank you once again for listening and we'll t- uh, have an official episode in two weeks with the Cohen brothers can't wait thanks guys see that flashing sign up there now that sign says applesauce no no <laughs> I, I'm kidding it says applause Now, remember, we're on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. All right, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Directors Club Podcast. I am Jim Lazkowski. And I am Patrick Rapol. Welcome to our anniversary clip show. Patrick, crack open that sham pagney. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, you might want to. There's some foil I got to get through first. Uh, vamp. Okay. Just talk. Just talk while I'm going through the foil. Wow. I can't believe we've been doing this for two whole years, and this is episode 50. Part two. It feels like just, uh, eh, it feels like two years ago. Actually, it feels like five minutes ago we were just podcasting our yeah, that's right. top films of 2012 episode. We're already pretty drunk, but we did buy champagne for this. So. Oh, of course. All right, let's hope, let's hope this doesn't clip too much. I'm scared! Oh, that's what you get when you get the Andre cold duck. This is not a... Yeah. It was the cheapest champagne on the market. Good. And I'm sure it was on sale after New Year's Eve. This is what happens when you live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And you become a wino. <laughs> you a wino. All right. There you are, Jim. Oh, thank you. And it's There's purple. your bubbly. It's and uh, let me pour a little for me. Sorry. Normally, I would drink Corbel, which I know is the champagne of champagnes, but... Um, <laughs> And I just drink High Life, which is the champagne of beers. 
Yeah, so um, <sighs> once again, we really do have to uh, thank all the many wonderful emails we've gotten and the listeners and the many fans. Yeah, if you guys didn't listen to our end of 2012 episode, we're really blown away by the response and how much you yeah. guys like the show. Like, we kind of started this on a whim. Jim has done other podcasts before, but none of them have really, you know, they've, they've just been sort of things done for fun. We didn't expect so many listeners. We didn't expect so much love. Um, you know, uh, we got really nice emails uh, about our 50th show from, like, Brian Pite, from uh, Peter Schomburg, and uh, we... We got one from Joshua Four, which is so amazing that it's crazy. Let me uh, hold on. Let me pour a little more of this duck. It's crazy, stupid love. Yeah, it is. This mm. tastes like grape soda. It doesn't it? Mmm. Grape soda mixed with wine. That's a cold. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Yeah. That's a cold ass duck. All right. Here's the email from Joshua Four. Thank you. Congratulations, Josh. Patrick and Jim. I've been a subscriber for quite some time now. I can't believe begin to tell you how much I enjoy the show with each episode. Movies are my favorite way to unwind, and listening to you guys discuss them with such enthusiasm and intelligence always makes my day whenever I get to hear the podcast. I've passed it on to a friend of mine. He agrees. It's one of the better podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. Two out of two friends agree. One of the better podcasts out there. The only difficulty I can imagine coming across is being able to keep it going while leading productive lives, I'm sure. <laughs> you have no idea. Oh, my God. Uh, plus, I'm sure some films by a chosen director get overlooked at times. True. Um, but including a guest always helps. And there have been a few I feel have been e- could easily be permanent fixtures if they ever wanted to host their own podcast. I can easily point to guys like, and uh, if you guys have been on this, if you're listening now and you've been on the show before, here's when to perk up your ears. Ren, Gabe, Phil, Mike, Damon, Eric, and many more that I thought were fantastic additions to the show. But they we were, love all the guests. Oh, all of our guests have been great. Um, but yes, uh, I'm glad you like those guys. But here's what I think makes this so special: the hosts. Allow me to explain. Oh. And here's here's where it gets a little messy mas- in here. It gets a little masturbatory, kind of reading this. But uh, here we go. Patrick says masturbatory. I say misty eyed. Yeah. Well, I, I always cry after I jerk off. Same. Patrick is the center stage front man who really likes to step up parentheses in 3D and have his voice heard first and foremost often with great comedic timing and a smart reflective perspicacity. Uh, I don't know what that word means yeah I, I'm sorry you called me smart and then I couldn't pronounce a word you used because it had more than three syllables maybe just, it means intelligence maybe he is a force of nature and doesn't play any reindeer games yes he is the director the Argo of Directors Club <laughs> I don't know if Joshua saw Argo because that's not what the Argo is but Thanks. I can see him going on to make his own sci-fi B-movie someday, inspired by his love of the medium, with a little help from Alan Arkman and John Goodman. God willing. Oh, yeah. Plus, plus, I can see him getting sick of Jim saying, Argo, fuck yourself, when he dismisses somewhere. <laughs> I should have done that before. Speaking of which, Jim is the straight man of the show and is every bit as essential. Aw. No need to have a Lennon-McCartney situation with this expedition. He is the character actor that every great film needs. Maybe the Richard Jenkins or the Paul Giamatti or the John C. Riley of the show. But doesn't really need to be funny. It doesn't really try to be funny. But every now and then he managed to, to shock and surprise us all with a huge LOL moment simply by being himself. He loves movies the way a kid loves candy and looks for pleasure or therapeutic release rather I'm than education. The DVD boxes. Rather than an education or artistry in ways that Patrick does. 
I always, I always love that people are like, oh yeah, Jim really feels movies. I'm like, Patrick, I feel <laughs> movies. And Jim thinks about movies. Patrick cries. Yeah, no. I mean, I get it. Yeah, we definitely fall into patterns. Um, he keeps us young, despite being the older of the two. Movies for the both of them are something different and liberating, but similarly, they walk out excited, ready to spread the gospel of Anderson, Anderson, and Tarantino. <laughs> I assume those two Andersons are W.S. Anderson. <laughs> oh, fuck. No. Not Paul W.S. Yeah. Um, and Tarantino, especially in a year like 2012, and listeners are lucky to have them in an iTunes feed twice a month. I look forward to another 50 episodes. Hope to hear... Hope to hear this on the best of anniversary show, and I wish you both nothing but the best and a happy new year. Thanks again for the great show, Josh. It's, it like as much as Click. yeah, actually, absolutely. Yay! <laughs> as as much as I laugh, like that really is touching, and mm-hmm. you know, it's <laughs> yeah. A, and we've mis- gotten we've a gotten mi- a few more emails like that as well, and we appreciate all of them, including. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew left us a great voicemail. A lot of people have come out and said similar things. <laughs> and we're just like always taken aback each time. Yeah. A miserable bastard like me, it can be really, it can really brighten my day uh, yeah. when I hear something like that. Um, but speaking of hearing something, now, regular listeners know I don't actually listen to this podcast. It's, it's weird to me. But Jim has gone ahead okay. and assembled clips from. Uh, most. Countless, most of the episodes, um, things that he found funny, some that were insightful, some that were just like fucking weird and bizarre. Um, apparently, course. there are a couple episodes where we are more drunk than we should have been. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm pointing to episode 31, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Which might be one of my favorites. But I, I would say that uh, I probably listened to, I'd say, 38 out of the 50 episodes. Uh-huh. Or forty nine, I guess, and I, I, I am still like in shock by um, how funny we can be, mm-hmm. and there's definitely like I, I managed to parse a couple of clips in, from guests as well that you know really had some interesting takes on a couple of films, but they are really short, so don't get scared. They're not all five minutes you will, long, but you will hear our reaction to them, right? Oh yeah, for yeah, because sure, this sure. is gonna be the first time I hear any of this shit. Uh, yeah, this is going to be <laughs> really great. Including, including, I believe you're going to start with the uh, the recording that started it all. The very first, in fact, this was a gray noise podcast, which was a it never really quite got off the ground. But I which is to say, it was never on iTunes. No, um, it was like ten episodes of me just talking with my friends about pop culture, and uh, it, it was pretty pretty bad because there was an infamous episode where. I interviewed Patrick, Russ, and Megan about their favorite TV shows, and we all went fucking insane. And we weren't even drunk. We're people. We just got so bored about like listing TV shows that we just started like scraping the microphone on the carpet. Yep. Oh. And making like animal noises and like screaming into the Maybe microphone. To I don't know. Do you it. still have that? I don't know. If, if someone still has that... It might be on YouTube. Maybe one day we'll be able to share that with you. No, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of way too embarrassed about yeah. that. But I think as a bonus episode. Only maybe for diehard of, listeners. Anyway. Maybe Jim, for episode 100. Yeah, play that first clip. I do. This is our review of Inglorious Bastards. Um, when we did a Tarantino episode for the Great Noise podcast. This is the first time I took out microphones and said, Patrick... Let's talk movies. But I, I really did enjoy it. Um, I think Tarantino... 
but I, I really did enjoy it. Um, I think Tarantino is just, he has a control over the medium that very few filmmakers have. Um, and he does it in such a playful way. Agreed. And he does it with a lot of panache and like, yeah, self, I mean like self-referential stuff, but more of like just, these are the types of movies I love and I want to make that, I want to make my own version of that. And it's so, you know, it, 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 it reminds you of why you love movies, but it's more of the kind of movie that movie nerds would would flock to. And I mean, like, you know, the guys who literally go through all the foreign movies and old, you know, kung fu movies and black exploitation, and, you know, enjoy those movies as much as they would like a Spielberg movie, basically. And that's what Tarantino, that's what he caters to. Um... They're not always meant for a mainstream audience. Pulp Fiction just happened to strike upon the, the, the zeitgeist at the right time in terms of like having an effect on popular culture in the same way that I think Nirvana did with music. But, um, you know, a, a, a new Tarantino movie is always cause for celebration. Like, I always walk out feeling pretty invigorated by the experience. Um, this isn't going to be one that I think... I will want to relive over and over and over again, but I still appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to watching it a second time to see if I'm just too overly enthused, or maybe not enthused enough. I, uh... Quentin Tarantino's such a good filmmaker, um, such a great artist, that uh, there's, no, there's no question of, of that, and any move, anything he makes, um, will, uh, again... Maybe maybe one day he will lose his touch, as so many filmmakers do, but uh, so far everything he makes is worth seeing, and this is certainly no exception. Um, but I think it's successful in its own way, in a different way for, for Tarantino, and I think that like each of his movies are amazing, I think, in different ways, and he makes different kinds of movies... This could probably not. This could pro- be the movie that people don't um, gravitate towards. Oh my God! Because no, because it's not. I don't know. It doesn't have the the accessibility. It has, you know, it definitely has the dark humor, but not necessarily like the kind of dialogue, you know, the pop culture laden dialogue or a lot of references that you would necessarily like pick up on in in the way that he has with other movies or even the music cues. It's too it's too um, weird, and not weird in an over-the-top Kill Bill way, but people can watch Kill Bill and be like, yeah, fucking awesome as shit, you know? This doesn't, this isn't that kind of movie. Um, which, I, which is what I respect. Like, I respect that he doesn't try to repeat himself. I mean, he has his signature trademark moments. Oh, absolutely. Always, I'm, I'm speaking purely as what this will do to Tarantino's career. I think... I think, number one, Death Proof proved that the love affair uh, between mainstream audiences and Quentin, Tarant- or Quentin Tarantino's over. The Grindhouse did horribly at the box office, and I, just judging, there are some people uh, talking during the movie, I don't know, I did not know this was going to be a comedy. We sound so bored. Do we take quaaludes before? <laughs> yeah. so less energetic and... Oh, that was horrible. Uh, 
Apparently, I didn't used to talk at 120 words per minute. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't always such a fucking loud mouth, apparently. No. Ugh, gross. But uh, I think towards the end, there's a little bit more. I mean, we. it's funny because, like, I don't know if it was necessarily planned out to be, like, a director's club episode, but, I mean, we basically went through to Tarantino's filmography towards the end. and Well, Tarantino releases films so infrequently that you kind of have to reassess his whole filmography every time yeah. you watch him. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, we went through his filmography uh, last episode, the like Buster the, Keaton episode. The top five would be different, I think, for me at this point. Absolutely. So, um, We use the word absolutely so, a lot, by the way. Yeah, yeah, we still do. Yeah, I know. Do you... So like, how did you talk me into doing a podcast after that bullshit? Like, no, I mean, I, I've I've always <laughs> known that you're incredibly good at talking about movies. So it's just, just not to... in front of a microphone, apparently. <laughs> no, no, that was. No, no, no. Really, you put a microphone in front of my ass. I'm like, rah, 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 there's rah. also a lost step. Like the mainstream sec- audiences have lost their love affair. What? The second thing we did was. Bronson and Cabin Fever Two. We recorded that, and that's lost. So I don't know where it ever happened to that. All right. Well, what we don't first, need that. I know that the first episode we did was Cameron Crow. Yeah, which was excellent. Do you have a clip from that? Um, the rest of the clips are in alphabetical order. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay, by, go ahead. Just the, do a mouth. Just you tell me then. They're not by episode. I mean, that might have been a good approach. <laughs> now that I think about it. Just to see like the, the, just to see like the progress from episode one. Oh yeah! But you know what I did? I just decided to name these clips. <laughs> like there's <laughs> there's one called Ace and the Holy Shit. Okay. There's one called Babe, Pig, and the Lamb. Okay. Okay. Daniel Stern, sexy. I mean, there's just different ones. Hey Jim, just pick one at random. That's what I I wanted that approach. I okay. This okay. Cool. Slapdash. I thought it was going to be chrono- chronological, but this is fine too. Let's go. I think this is going to be fun and funnier, and I think people are going to enjoy this. So here we go. This clip is called Twenty Fifth Old Boy." Yeah, I guess so. But because you did that, you, you were at a critic screening, right, of Twenty Fifth yeah. Hour, and you stood up and you cheered. <laughs> yeah. After well, he did that I scene, didn't, I didn't go that crazy, but no, didn't I didn't. You just start punching other people in the theater, Jim? Yep. Yeah, I sure did. It, <laughs> you got so it, turned into, it turned into like old boy, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the reason why I thought that clip was really funny is because <laughs> this was before we you knew- embarrassed yourself in front of Ebert <laughs> and I let everyone know. <laughs> this was before we knew Spike Lee was going to do an old boy remake. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> And I'm like talking about 25th hour, and then I make an old boy reference. That's so funny. I'm convinced that Spike Lee heard this episode. Yeah, he heard the uh, David Fincher episode of the of the podcast, and heard me make a reference to old boy while discussing 25th hour. And you know Spike Lee is pretty active on the social networking, mm-hmm. so I bet he heard. I bet he heard. <laughs> Show enough. Yeah. Oh man, it's always weird reading Spike Lee's Twitter, and it's like he's talking, he's talking like a weird like eight year old from 1986. Yeah, like he has weird. He, well, he like, abbreviates a lot. He almost does, no, no, no. But he almost is like the Spike Lee or no, the uh, Stephen King baby talk thing, where he's like slang just sounds like he's just like, oh, Spike Lee on Twitter. I love Spike Lee is honest. Like you, Spike Lee is one of my top ten favorite directors of all time. But uh, that man on Twitter is just very strange. This next clip is called 1985 Seaman. Yeah, around that time, he was just, you know, firing on all cylinders. And when, um, 
you know, when I saw Explorers and then Gremlins, like those are the movies that really were like my gateway into, you know, not just loving movies for entertainment, but being really curious about the process yeah. too. It's like just how do they how do they put that together, right. and you know the, the the effects part of it, and you know how did they get two Martys in the same frame or whatever, you know, just like th- little things like that that just got me more excited about watching movies yeah. as a ki- as a kid. Nineteen uh, nineteen eighty five was a very seminal year for me too because it was two years before I was born, so I was literally semen <laughs> still. Yeah, so you were, you were uh, still in your daddy's nutsack. Yeah, so it's a very very seminal year for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good 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 joke, Patrick. <laughs> See, that's pretty much like uh, that's the gist of our jokes right there, mm-hmm. summed up. This one is just, I just, I have to admit that the very end, I love the way you respond to, um, <laughs> to <laughs> just the way, just the play way, it. The, just way play the way you end it, it's really funny to me. These are always open to revision big time, because like I said, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen, like Margaret, that could make the list that'll mm-hmm. change everything. Last year, I think it was around February or March, is when I saw my number one of last year. Yeah. So, uh, which was another year. And other movies I haven't seen from this year. You're right. 2010 was another year. Yes. Let's talk about 2010. Very, very funny, Patrick. That's I'm a, a gym fucking joke. hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That just makes me laugh. You mean like how I get super aggressive? Yeah. Okay. I'm fucking hysterical. Um, <laughs> this one's really interesting. Oh man, this is a weird format for a clip show. Yeah, but us, it is it is us fun commenting on our clips. It is kind of fun for me because I've never heard the podcast, so uh, I kind of get to see what you guys think. Yeah, we're definitely the best podcast of all time. Good, <laughs> no, good <not>. work. <laughs> Maybe in the top five. <laughs> you know, and as amoral as this lead character is, she's <laughs> like she's coming on to him, and he just slaps her. Like, really fucking hard. And it's just, I don't expect that. And I don't even expect that. There's a moment in the apartment, too, where the doctor is slapping Shirley MacLaine after she just tried to commit suicide. And it is like, I I can't believe I'm seeing that, you know? I mean, he is so confrontational in trying to get to the, you know, the reality, the heart of what's taken place. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, not pleasant. And that's kind of... You know, like I, I thought of also Nicholas Ray's Bigger Than Life, which I talked about last year, as a movie, just because it's set in that era and it was made in those times, you're just not expecting that kind of visceral intensity. Absolutely. Also, uh, sort of when we talked about The Prowler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On the Joseph Losey episode, The Prowler's another film where you just don't. Um, I love that to be sort of shocked by, oh, how'd they get that? Like, cause how'd they get Matt, away with that? Yeah. You can put. Nowadays, some, someone has put something in the MPAA's drink where pretty much unless it's explicit sexuality, like uh, like the cunnilingus in Blue Valentine or something, like There's everything some just gets <laughs> I have a feeling I know what the rest of this episode is going to be like. I know. You should let people know what the deal is in the background, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My roommates got home and they're making, they're making food, which is good because if they were trying to sleep, they'd be really pissed at us. So, yeah, no my, my, my roommate, lucky. My roommate and his friend, I should say. This is um, the latest we've ever recorded ever. Yeah, 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 for sure. But this is exciting, and this next, um, I'm going to drink it till it's exciting. Let's say that. I think um, after you've said this clip, Ugh. you have. I think after this particular clip, you actually said, "This is the worst thing I've ever said." Okay. Even you know Adam Sandler began making welcome to or not welcome to the Zohan, <laughs> but uh, I thought you were going to say welcome to the dollhouse. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Zippity <laughs> doo, I'm gonna rape you! <laughs> <laughs> Why do people listen to this shit, Jim? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Okay. That was your, uh... Adam Sandler and Welcome to the Dollhouse. That is a scene in Welcome to the Dollhouse. In case people don't get the context, there's a scene in which uh, an older kid declares that he's gonna 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 rape uh, Wiener, and he just keeps saying that the whole day. I'm gonna rape you. Yeah. Okay, I didn't make that up. No. But for some reason, at the after you said that in the I was I didn't keep it in the clip, but you said. I think that's the worst thing I've ever said (laughs) on the podcast. Probably the worst. I don't like imagining Adam Sandler raping anybody. (laughs) Generally. Now, this isn't necessarily one of the funnier clips, but mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of sweet. And plus, it's also something that brought us together in terms of um, our conversations initially when we became friends. Can I tell you something? Hmm. When I met you, you know, we talked about movies and stuff. And you and I, I had not seen After Hours, and I hadn't really heard anything about After Hours. And you said, oh, After Hours, that's my favorite Scorsese movie. And I'm like... What the fuck? How could that be better, better than, than good, f- good Goodfellas and Taxi Driver yeah. and Raging Bull and Last Nation Christ? I'm like, you're full of shit. What the fuck is he talking about? How is that your favorite? And I was, like, I literally got worked up. And then I <laughs> and then I saw it, and it is fucking great. Yes. Uh, it is. I totally understand why this why this is your favorite. Yeah, it's, it speaks to me in some weird way. That's uh, one of our uh, earliest conversations we had together was about the movie After Hours, and you were like, what? Yeah, that's a lesson in humility. Yeah. I, think I, I would like to think I'm a lot more humble than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Certainly a lot less sober. <laughs> one of the uh, also things that have come up consistently, in fact, it actually just came up in the last episode, was the fact that every now and then I tend to go see certain movies... Just because they star a certain actress. That's still funny to me, by the way, that you like you get crushes on actresses. Yeah. That's funny to me. I don't get crushes on actors or actresses. Like I'm like, I don't have I ever said this on the podcast? I'm bisexual. Oh like, okay. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I I like I have twice as many people to be attracted to. That's true. And I don't get crushes on actors or actresses. It's surprising. Yeah. It's just not my thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there are tons of actors and actresses I find attractive. We've talked about Aaliyah Showcat. But, yeah. like, not to the point where I will see a movie just because they're in it. You never saw Cedar Rapids. That's true. I still have it. I can't believe I don't have any Cedar Rapids clips on here. Go ahead. Well, oh, yeah. I actually think she's a good actress. You don't think she's pretty? Okay, the way you, yeah, but you, you, you like, but you objected. you see terrible movies of... that she's in. Like, well, I'm dedicated. I d- oh, I I've know. Seen, I've seen every Jeff Bridges movie, too. Right. But Jeff Bridges <laughs> is Jeff Bridges and Amber Tamblyn is Amber Tamblyn. Yeah, but I still appreciate her as an actress and like watching her on the screen, not mm-hmm. just because she's pretty. I don't want to write her off in that way. All What's right. wrong with that? I just, <laughs> I, I mean, mean I, there's I, a lot wrong with that, just, you know, but okay. Okay. I, if you're equating Jeff Bridges and Amber Tamblyn, I see a lot wrong with that. I'm not. You know? I'm just saying that as an example of I, when I. You know who my two favorite actors are? Hmm. Alexis Bledel and Robert De Niro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, when I'm dedicated to something, I stay dedicated to it. Yeah. I don't really like Matthew Sweet's recent albums, but I've listened to and bought every single one of his albums just because I'm a dedicated fan. You're loyal. Yeah, I'm loyal to everything. When I, when I become a fan of something, yeah, I just I try to stick with it, and you know they might put out shit stuff quite often in the case mm-hmm. of Amber Tamlin, but I have watched it, and I was like, all right, well, oh well, <laughs> one of these days she'll be in a good movie again. <laughs> 
She's you were right. right. She's in Django Unchained. It's a miracle. <laughs> I was was I was I a lot more uh, was I a lot more confrontational back then? Yeah, yeah. I was more of a dick. A little bit. I think I'm a recovering dick. I think I'm constantly like learning how not to be an asshole. Yeah, I think I was a little intimidated by you with the Devil's Rejects episode, which was episode number two. Yeah. It was like, Patrick, stop being I think I, and, I And I think the end of, uh, of the uh, Michael Mann episode where I yelled at you about Ty West, I think that might be a relapse on my part. Oh, yeah, that's being, right. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> that was really... I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what this clip is. Okay, hit American it. American Boner. And I saw it at a very impressionable age. I saw... I believe Rocky Four came out the same year. Yep. And yeah. seeing both of those as a kid and not being aware of implausibility. It just gave you an America boner for <laughs> it, life. It pretty, much, it pretty much did. Your boner, like if you look at it now, it's got red, white, and blue veins. It, it absolutely. You couldn't be more correct. Your boner has an SUV. Yeah. <laughs> So I keep and looking, it honks. It honks at everybody. Your boner had a secret war in Central America. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to find an Ivan Drago. Yeah. I, believe was, I believe that was from the Tyler Perry episode with Patrick, uh, Evan. Patrick Rapol making boner jokes political. <laughs> <laughs> the idea oh of red, God. white, and blue veins is so unpleasant. <laughs> Oh, man. And this other one, I don't remember either. American Director's Cock. Okay, kid it. Because um, I, I, uh, I don't think our problem is necessarily that we only choose white men. I think our problem is we're mostly doing American directors. And about 90% of all American directors are white men. And our, But our biggest problem is that we love big white cocks. And we can't help ourselves. <laughs> um no, you know, yeah. you're, you're totally right. It? I don't remember saying that at all. Yeah, you said it, though. It came out your goddamn mouth, and you put it on iTunes. I can't believe it. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, no. Mom. It's true, though. I'm I sorry, do, Mom. I do love big white cocks. No, it's okay. Big white well, That's a good color for a cock, by the way. Now, you know, every now and then, Patrick and I have an argument. Yeah? Every once in a while. Are you done talking about different colored cocks? <laughs> um... I'm assuming that argument M-M-M-M-M means that uh, we were not exactly agreeing on Martha, 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 And uh, the end I thought was kind of a cheat. Um, I'm, Why? Well, I, 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 I know we can't, we, can't give it, spoil we, can't, it. we can't give it away, but I'm kind of done with abrupt It's bullshit. Uh, Just say it. It's bullshit. It isn't. It I isn't was, at all. I was so pissed. It's not bullshit. Well, I, 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 I think it's obvious. Abrupt. I think just the, what it's trying to say is pretty obvious. Like, she can never outrun her past, you know? That no, that's not... Of, I don't think that's what it's trying to say. Well, do you think it's literally what's happening? Yeah. Okay. So, why does it have to end on that note, specifically? I mean, I know, again, we can't really... Because everything about the movie is about ambiguity and about not knowing what's happening and not being able to process it. And it leaves you on that same lingering note. And that's all you need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't want to spoil anything, and I apologize... Because I'd love to hear why you think it's bullshit, Andrew. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, like, the way the sister responds to her is implausible. I'm just frustrated as I'm watching her because it's not how I would respond. But at the same time, you have to understand. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Wow. We're having the same Maybe a whole year later. Oh, man. People don't change. We don't have to have this discussion. There is a certain kind of person who's attracted to a cult, and they are not a well-adjusted person. There is no cult that will suck me in, Mm -hmm. other than the cult of Manx. 
Uh, oh, <laughs> no. We covered back in April. See, I didn't include any clips from that because that's a whole episode that's a giant clip in of itself. That is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm gonna, One Kibble's, of the best episodes ever. Daniel Kibblesmith is a fucking genius. But, uh, no, but, like, a certain kind of person is going to be sucked into a cult. And in order for a certain kind of person to be sucked into a cult, they have to come from a certain kind of home life. I know. And I realize that. You understand how her sister is flawed in a way that would lead her to marry a successful man and become rich, but still be sort of emotionally damaged the same way that uh, Martha, Marcy, Mamerlene, or whatever, or her real name is, um, is damaged. Uh, like, that's important. It's important that she doesn't mm-hmm. have anywhere else to go because that explains in the very first place how she got to a cult. It's important that she has no, no one emotional to hang on to. It'd be a nice story if it was about her recovering and it's about how through this love of family and about how through just personal strength and she got through the hardship and she was able to get over it, but that's not what the movie's about. Okay, I buy that. Yeah. I'm not just saying that because I want to move on. I, I do buy that. <laughs> when you say you're not just saying it, it sounds like you're just saying it. I know. Okay, that's cool. true. All right. Let's listen to Babe, Pig, and the Lamb. Oh, Jesus. And I think Lamb refers to a guest from the Cronenberg episode. As in Megan Lamb? I got you. Okay, okay, we're good. We're Did you love in. the scene with the cats and the cats' tails are swinging back and forth? And I the, like They're that. being conducted I... by another cat. That's the most the cutest part, thing. The part in that movie, <laughs> the part in that movie that gets to me is when Thelonious the orangutan is holding the goldfish and they're capturing all the animals. Yeah. And they put the net over him, and the goldfish pole breaks, and the goldfish is just <laughs> flopping around just... on the floor. And like they take Babe away, and you think for a minute that the goldfish is going to die. Yeah. I want you guys to just sort of take a minute and sort of review everything you said in the past two minutes and think about what if someone had never seen Babe in the city. <laughs> and they're Thelonious, the orangutans holding the goldfish, and then they try to take Babe away. You think the goldfish is going to die. I'm like, are you talking about Babe picking the city here? Are you guys talking about your favorite mushroom trips? <laughs> Most of the time when we describe things, it sounds like a mushroom trip. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we describe mushroom trips on this sure. show. Uh, I actually would be interested in doing a bonus episode, which is pro-drug, in which we have, <laughs> we have people on and we talk about why drugs are great and why mm. more, more kids should experiment with drugs. I feel like not enough people came to me when I was young and said, you should experiment with drugs, and I'd be happier if they did. Hmm. You should have listened to a lot more Bill Hicks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't listen to enough Bill Hicks. I didn't have enough people taking me by the hand and going, no, you should really do a lot more drugs. Here's a clip called Big Differences. What the fuck is that? Yeah, let's hear it. I mean, I think a big difference between you and me is like, I was, I ran out to see my week with Marilyn just because Michelle Williams was right. In. And, and you've seen both Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movies. We, we have to go there again. <laughs> Amber this, this, was a big was call, this was a big callback to episode three. Now yeah. that I've listened, <laughs> that's when we brought this up. But you love Amber Tamblyn. I, I do, kind of. <laughs> but sorry. I like Michelle Williams a lot more. <laughs> and I think Carrie Mulligan's very talented. Do we have to go through my list or did, something? Did you watch Yes Man? What? Wait, who was in Yes Man? I <laughs> Zoe Deschanel. I don't like yeah. her as much like anymore. Her? I don't like her as he much anymore. He used to like her a lot because yeah. he, he's a huge fan of all the real girls. Yeah, that was it. Um, but now I'm, I mean, uh, uh, I'm just Michelle, saying that Michelle. is something that set, that's very different between me and you, like you were saying. And that's fine. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, think I, both, I have preferences, you know, I mean, but I'm also going to. I will see movies without her and, you know, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where like, oh, well, she picks good movies for the most part. Right. 
my week with Marilyn was not one of those good movies, but I, she was good. In I just it. I think it's sort of an interesting phenomenon where you can uh, sort of block out things because there are because of key items in it. More biases again. I actually was probably about to make a really brilliant point, and you cut me uh, off. No, no. Uh, maybe. I actually I, I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that exact same concept more. I mean, we already we already tackled the fact how hilarious that you you have crushes on on uh, celebrities, but I, I think it's I think of that bet that more with sort of the B action movie people like Mike Flynn, who I love, and Rene, yeah. who's, who's crazy and great. But like they'll get super excited just because people are in a movie, despite the fact that like they're they only excited because the people in the movie have been in other movies that they liked. They're not excited because they're consistently good actors or anything, right? And like B action movie people are super like, are you kidding? Fucking blah blah. I, I can't even name. <laughs> I can't even name people. But uh, uh, they get really excited about character actors. That's true. That's and true. I, I suppose being excited about character actors is better than not being excited about character actors at all. But it always it's very strange to me when people just like list the cast and it's like, wait, why do you why are you excited about that person? Well, because they were in Lawnmower Man. Okay, uh, not, maybe yeah. maybe we shouldn't be excited about Jeff Fahey, everybody. Come on. Um, all right, that was that was another one of me making fun of you. This is the this is the okay. Patrick is a dick cast apparently. Let's no, not see. at all. <laughs> what else? So Patrick. Um, I brought this up to you fairly recently. There was a time uh-huh. early on uh-huh. where I had this horrible idea of us talking about our actual lives. Oh, it's real bad. I think um, one person actually wrote an email and asked us to know about us, but I yeah. think it would break the illusion that we're not just boring, stupid people. But the funny thing was is that I, th- I had this idea early on, like within the first ten episodes, to be like, Hey, Patrick. This crazy thing happened to me at work. Oh, you're not going to play that story, are you? This is called Breadcast. Oh, Jesus. And so he was like, I want the Aunt Millie's white bread. I don't want anything else. And I, well, we didn't have the specific kind. But the soft and good is exactly the same bread, only in different packaging. It has a little bear on it. It looks really cute. And so I gave it to him. And he's like, this isn't Aunt Millie's bread. You're lying. And I was like... Um, no, I'm not, sir. I, 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 I promise. <laughs> I promise that this is our bread. And I even showed him the logo because mm-hmm. we have Aunt Millie's logo on, on the back of every bread. Mm-hmm. And he still didn't believe me. That's, so he was. He was. It's just, amazing how contentious people can get over bread. I know. I. I, I was I've, shocked. I don't think I've ever had a strong opinion about bread mm. in my entire life. He just wanted one specific loaf. In existence, apparently. I think the only the, kind. I think special the loaf. best bread I ever had, the, the height of my feelings about it was, yeah, this is good. I yeah. enjoy this. That's it. I know. People That's get inc- passionate about their bread, it's incredible. man. incredible. They get passionate. What can I say? It's true. I mean, think about it. Maybe, you know, how we get about films. Right. There's got to be a bread podcast. The breadcast. Yeah. Ba- totally. Baker's Club. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I think so. The Baker's Square. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ever I since I can get behind those pies, that's for damn sure. Ever since the, uh, I mean, it, not that it, I would. Fuck it's the it's pies. not often that you, there's a there's a really simple dividing line, but the cracked weed episode is where they just lost me. <laughs> I couldn't stand it anymore. Falling down, which is by a director who's probably terrible, uh, Joel Schumacher. Ooh, uh, I think that was just me going ooh. <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> I just like the way I went ooh at yeah. the end of that. 
That's all it was. Was that was that me explaining why Falling Down was one of my top ten movies of all time? Correct. My top ten movies of all time are probably completely different now. True. And in a week, they're probably completely different, too. I do want to... Isn't that scary that newcomers to the show would download our favorite films of all time episode and be like, Oh, one of Patrick's favorite films is Falling Down. No, that's not scary. Oh, okay. That movie's great. Okay. I love that movie. Okay. I adore that movie. I'm just saying... I'm just saying, like, I it's not it wasn't it wasn't necessarily something I gave a lot. I gave much more thought about my top ten films of 2012 than uh, my favorite films of all time because that's just it's just such a silly thing, mm. so, like to even try to quantify. But um, hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys listen to my favorite <laughs> films of all time and you go, why is he like Step Brothers? Eh, maybe it's because uh, it's a funny comedy to me. I don't know what to tell you. Hmm. <sighs> What's camera rush? Camera rush? Just swooping CGI camera shots. It doesn't mean anything, you know? When mm-hmm. the camera flies around Hogwarts or whatever, you know that it's just a digital camera. You know, it's a fake camera, computer-generated camera looking at computer-generated things. So there isn't that rush. Um, like when you see a Sam Raimi movie and you see the camera bust through, a, bust through a door. You know it's not a CGI door. You know it's an actual door that they bust through. And when you see Getty Lee... You also get a rush. <laughs> oh, yeah, no! And, and uh, when, I, when I listen to Coldplay, I get a rush of blood to the head. <laughs> wow. I don't know why I included that. That was horrible. Because it was one of your greatest hits, Jim. No. Way to go. Oh, no. <laughs> Way to go. Getty Lee. Oh. Rush. This is me describing Uncle Boon Me. Recalls his past lives. But another film Particular that, scene. Another film that's been underseen that's pretty great. It has a catfish giving oral sex to somebody at yeah, one point. Yeah, to a, to a disfigured princess. Yeah. <laughs> so if that appeal if that appeals to you, jump right in, go for it, man. Because I, I I ate it up. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, you know who ate it up? The catfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Boonmi is one of those movies that you just like talk about, and then you like think about what you're saying, and it's like, oh man, this movie's fucking crazy. But it kind of hypnotizes you into thinking that everything that's happening has some kind of purpose. Yeah. People need to watch more Uncle Boon Me. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. I don't I see so a lot too. of people talking about Uncle Boon Me, but uh, Uncle Boon Me Recalls His Past Lives is pretty amazing. You know what else is pretty amazing? What's that? Cobra. Oh, wow. Okay, go ahead. The best Stallone groaning in any Cosmatos film is in Cobra, where, like, the yeah. opening, you see that, that Cobra. He's like, in America. There's a burglary every 11 seconds. <laughs> yep. An armed robbery every 65 seconds. <laughs> a violent crime every 25 seconds. A murder every 24 <laughs> minutes. And 250 rapes a day. So that was Mike Flynn from uh, a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Might have been the first time he showed up on the show. I don't know if it was uh, Walter one of, Hill. One of Joshua Fower's uh, favorite guests. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a zany character, that mm-hmm. Mike Flynn. I love him, though. Because mm-hmm. he's also well-known for bringing up movies that I like seen on he... HBO once yeah. as a kid. <laughs> and he, could, he could do an entire podcast conceivably just about films that they used to play in HBO. Yeah. <laughs> like just about the stakeout movies and stuff. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, and, he, and I love how he didn't even try to, like, I think most people would probably try to do a Sylvester Stallone impersonation there, and he went some other direction. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of Patrick, this one is called Copland Patrick. 
James Mangold's films have that effect because whenever I screw up, like in my life, you know, uh, I always hear Robert De Niro going, "You blew it! <laughs> you blew it! That's all it takes." Again, Copland impersonation. Look, look, I'm not just an improv genius. I'm not just a legendary stand-up comedian. I'm also just an a person, an impression man. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're also able to recognize sexiness in a man. Oh boy! Here and we there's go. no exception. In one of the greatest highlights from episode 31, which is chock full of drunken wackiness. <laughs> Was this the Catherine Bigelow episode? Yes. This one is called Daniel Stern. Sexy. <laughs> I snuck into uh, Craig T. Nelson's tequila bottle, <laughs> and I, I. It got you nowhere but a, but like uh, Republican rallies. <laughs> <laughs> No, I turned into a giant human I'm sorry, zombie who, who, who's in Leviathan? Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, oh. who's very sexy in the film. <laughs> he uh, always no, is. No. Daniel. <laughs> Man. Oh, God. I just, put, I just put shut on and hit mute and go to town, you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't know how many times I jerked <laughs> off to episodes of The Wonder Years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have no ideas about the sexual fantasies I've had about Celtic pride. <laughs> Look, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, God, if you look at the Wet Bandits in Home Alone, he's the sexier of the two. You're correct. Yeah. Oh man, Jim, is our podcast just like inane bullshit? <laughs> I know it seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Why do I have one called Dead Dad? Why don't we find out? I remember that, that. That was of Elizabeth Town, right? That was my impression of Elizabeth Town. <laughs> oh man! I think I only Kirsten fu- Dunst is not a bad actress, but she's a bad actress in that movie. I, c- I think I can only find that at the end of the episode, actually. Really? Yeah, Did I think you- it's funny because like that episode was particularly so edited yeah. down that like it was actually shorter within the episode and then at the end of the episode it was actually longer. I think Which is that weird. Was, I think honestly, like despite the fact that that was the very first episode, that was where I began my whole people love animated movies thing, right? Oh yeah, maybe. I think I talked about about how to train a how to train a dragon where I didn't believe yeah. everyone that so, you know, somebody actually mentioned on iTunes that one of the reasons why they love us is because we think Den- Doug Benson sucks. Oh, are you going to play a clip about how we think Doug Benson sucks? Yeah. You think we should? Uh, well, I don't know. I think he sucks. <laughs> Go ahead. Doug Benson is yeah, the worst host. Can, can I just say that I don't like Doug Benson, like, at all? <laughs> none no. of us. None of us do. I hate his... Okay. Well, we, I know we were, we were talking earlier how we don't want to start any, uh, any uh, wars with any podcast, but I... I'll go ahead and start a rivalry with uh, I Love Movies. Doug Loves Movies. Doug Loves Movies. It's the fucking worst podcast I've ever heard. I do like the Leonard Malton game. It's fun. That, well, that's the whole po- Number one, that's the whole podcast is Leonard Malton game. No, he's, it's safe for like the last 15 minutes of the show. And it goes. And by, the first 15 minutes are him introducing people. First like 45 minutes more. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, under an, no, it's under an hour, usually. I think it's about half the Leonard Malton game. But anyway, he doesn't explain the rules in the Leonard Malton game. To the beforehand, to right? I know. That's so annoying. it's like it's it's like watching a game show where half the contestants are don't know what's going on and the other half don't care. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's the worst thing I've ever listened to. Um, no, he's not funny either. That I haven't watched. It's, 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 I hold off judgment on stand up. I haven't seen it. So yeah, 
Not a fan. Sorry, Doug. Yeah. You sorry, can love Doug. movies all you want. You're not you're not not a fan of the cast. <laughs> We're going to start a podcast called We Hate Doug. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he he doesn't like me at all because of Twitter. Was I don't know how he managed. I didn't I didn't even tag him on Twitter, but I mentioned I don't know, it was a long time ago. It was like maybe 8 months ago where I mentioned how Doug I don't Benson. Like, yeah, I don't like Doug loves movies or the Nerdist very much. Uh-huh. And uh, I just thought uh i think i i might have just said that like you know his, his podcast is simply just not funny and is like yeah i yeah, know he's and he's not funny yeah and uh he he went he like he didn't reply to me you know he just messaged me and said oh not funny at all huh really that was it. yeah you never told me that yeah you know about my story right i know about what jordan jesse go or no 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 I, I was having an argument with my girlfriend because I, cause I, I think Paul F. Tompkins is great and I think he's super attractive and I think Doug Benson is like kind of weird looking. Yeah. And I just, I made a tweet. I didn't tag any of them. I just said, my girlfriend's crazy. She thinks that Doug Benson is, is hotter than Paul F. Tompkins. So like Ugh. I was saying like, oh yeah, I love Paul F. Tompkins. And, but then someone ta- like replied and they're like, oh, but blah, blah, blah. And then I replied back and then when they replied, they tagged uh, Doug Benson in it, and then, um, so uh, so then and then he saw that and then he messaged me and he goes, oh, like because I said that his eyes and voice make my skin crawl, which is kind of <laughs> true. He's kind of like, I don't blame you there. And I'm like, but he goes, eyes and vo- eyes and voice make your skin crawl. Fuck off completely. Like he got real mad at me. Oh no, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and then he blocked yeah. me. Which yeah. no no big loss, but then Paul F. Tompkins also blocked me, and Paul F. Tompkins is good at Twitter, and I wish I could oh. follow him on Twitter, but I can't because he blocked me. That sucks. Because he's friend, you know, they're in L.A. and they're comedy scene, they're friends, yeah. and it's frustrating. Mm. So I guess he it's not even when he gets tagged, like he searches his name, and yeah, just, apparently oh, that's sad. Uh, I don't want to get into it. Uh, let's get into something very positive here. And yeah, something let's very do something positive. I'm, s- I'm sad now because I can't read Paul Tompkins' tweets. <laughs> and the pot of Tomcast is amazing. But Doug Benson sucks. Anyway, let's get to um, a very different approach to the clip show here. I want to play uh, a highlight involving a guest having an incredible uh, take on a particular film. Said Nobody cares about the man in the box. Nobody cares about the, the man who disappeared. Now, you think about the death of Jesus Christ, okay? It's a man in a box, okay? If he doesn't disappear, you know, he disappears. If he doesn't come back with the resurrection, Christianity doesn't exist. Huh, yeah, okay. Okay, so you have, you know, the, the entire movie, and then you also have the, there's a scene uh, in the middle of the movie where uh, the Angier buries one of the brothers. Right. So there's actually this sort of this sort of this resurrection theme that's playing out throughout the movie. And people um, that they thought were dead, you know, right. coming back. Right. Exactly. So there's an entire resurrection theme going on, and they keep talking about the idea of what a good trick costs, the idea of risk and sacrifice. Um, you know, the, the the secret impresses no one. This is like uh, the the trick you use it for is everything. They say, you know, and then you know, and when you think about the the sort of the ultimate twist of the movie. Michael Caine tells us the twist halfway through the movie, which is he, he, that that Christian Bale is using a double in his big. Oh, match. right, That's right, correct. Yeah. yeah, these twin brothers. He says it. He says it flat out 
to the camera he goes, he uses a double. And there are and people out happens, there who think the that Hugh Jackman this... character does not believe him. And you know something? We don't believe him either because as an audience, we are taught to believe throughout film, throughout time, that when we're given a sort of a red herring like that early in the movie, that we're it's... meant to, mistrust, to yeah, mistrust it. That it's not true. Okay. So you have so you, when you think about the idea of you know Christianity or any sort of religion where you have sort of these you know mystical beings in the sky you know whatever and I'm coming coming from this place as a raised uh, Catholic mm-hmm. okay so how, whatever you want to believe you know as far as the the angle of Christianity is concerned uh, we're all you know the, the simplest explanation you know that we go back to contact which you can say is the other great science versus religion movie absolutely uh, they they talk about <laughs> occam's razor where they say the simplest solu- all things being equal the simplest solution has to be the the, the most you know the, the most the best, obvious the, one the, the, there you go most there you likely go. yeah and that's exactly what you know he's doing with this movie is that michael Caine tells us he's he's a double okay there's the end of the movie and we don't believe it. Why? Because we don't want to believe it. Because we do not want to believe in – because the secret is never as, as interesting as the trick. Right. Okay, yeah, and, and that's, that, that's what is going on through this movie as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't wait to have him back. Same here. Very stoked. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the more um, kind of uh, infamous episodes – I would say, is the uh, Brian De Palma episode absolutely, yeah. and uh, I still think you know even his later stuff you know holds up you know well too. I you know Femme Fatale. I you know frankly I said it was claimed to be the best movie of the last decade. Quite frankly, ooh, and you know maybe and, and, even, and even something and even other even films that are, even something like Carlito's Way or Snake Eyes I find to be you know fascinating the way that they're conventional entertainments, but yet in a weird way they're also like you know oddly autobiographical too in 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 in, in certain you know respects that I find interesting too. I didn't realize I'd be arguing against someone who's high. <laughs> uh, Matt, Matt this what do you movie think? is so fucking retarded. Like it's. <laughs> The idea that someone is confused by this movie, it's so simplistic and stupid. And it's its not that people are confused because the movie is complicated or their plot is difficult. It's that they're dumbfounded on how fucking stupid this movie is. And that it keeps finding ways to be dumber and dumber. It is terrible. <laughs> it's terribly acted. The plot is fucking ludicrous. And I'm, the point, I, I mean, on top of it... It makes you feel like you've wasted your fucking time. If I wanted to see a mind fuck of a movie and that's somebody that adores Hitchcock, I'm going to watch fucking Haneke and put in Cachet, which is far better than this fucking movie. This is a pile of shit, an outright steaming pile of shit, and I'm not surprised at all that the French fucking probably lapped this fucker up. <laughs> Man, good old Matt Gamble. Yeah, you guys haven't heard the De Palma episode. It got pretty tense because people were yelling at each other. And uh, with good reason, because De, hor- <laughs> De Palma's pretty horrible. No, you don't think that, do you? He's mostly. Most, okay. Wow. Not pretty horrible. Mostly bad. Hmm. I'll say that. I don't know. I like him. Here's where I got cocky. Oh, yeah? Did you get cocky, Jim? Mm-hmm. I also find it funny, and this is a total uh, crazy geek thing that I'm about to bring up, but I noticed that in that sequence where he's rescuing her, the the the, 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 the soundtrack, the, the, the score that is playing is actually utilizing a beat, a drum sample that probably had been used before, 
but it's actually from the song Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun, which the Dust Brothers produced. And how does this movie open? Yeah. Tyler's looking down the barrel of a gun. See? Very nice. (laughs) See? I told you, asshole. That's another thing that I think Fincher brings from his commercial work is that in commercials, the you know when you do a shot, when you have 30 seconds, every beat has to have an iconography to it. There has to be some <laughs> lasting image. Wow. You really me? showed me. See, fuckers? <laughs> you really showed Look how us. smart and ingenious and, ins- oh my god, I picked up on that shit. Man. You know, Patrick, you, uh, you're you're good at imitating sound effects. I gotta say, am I? Yeah. Here's an example. Uh, no. Okay. Oh, Jim, put a put a delay on my effect right now. I don't know if I can right off the top of my head. Oh, please, wait, please, because this is the dumbest. Oh I don't even know God, if I can find the right delay. Some, all right, never mind then. Forget it. Wait. Try it. Try it. Hello. Hello. Hello? Okay. This okay, is this, this is, is what it sounded like. What? <laughs> That's it. It sounded like a guy saying "wah" with my, a delay my, my on it. My nose is already bleeding. What a, what a coincidence! <laughs> oh god, that movie's horrible. Do you remember what that was from? Uh, Firestarter. Those you the, are the Firestarter, Patrick. Yeah, those are the effects in Firestarters. It just went "wah wah wah wah." Oh, that was funny. You're also good at imitating Edward Furlong from The Crow. You're awfully, you're getting awfully good at this. He, when he puts on the crow makeup, he looks like a 15-year-old going to a costume <laughs> party dressed as the crow. <laughs> and, like, his voice even still cracks. Like, remember, remember like, Terminator 2? Where, where he's like, my shit, Miles Dyson! She's gonna blow him away! <laughs> like, his voice randomly cracks. <laughs> like, he still does that. But this time he's like, quote the raven, die, motherfucker! <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. We're, we're really speeding through this. We're, we, we certainly are. Um, I originally had, like... For reminding everybody why you should not listen. <laughs> I think this clip here might be my favorite. Hit it. And it's called... Hit it. Gordy. Okay, hit it. I guess my, uh, I guess, I guess my sort of claim to fame is that everyone else went to go see Babe... Uh, and <laughs> everyone else I know went to go see Babe, and uh, my parents took me to go see Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, sorry. <laughs> so, and and I was like literally young enough where I was arguing with people, being like, "Babe with the talking animals, that's so stupid." Gordy was awesome. <laughs> Wait, you fought Gordy was. I fought I fought for Gordy. I was a noble warrior in the army of Gordy. You should defend that at any like movie sc- You know you know how Columbia College has their cinema slapdown. I want to see you defend Gordy. Listen. I know Pig in the City's all dark and weird, but in Gordy, he went to Hollywood and there was a scene where he was wearing sunglasses. sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we both say sunglasses at the end just makes it too. You knew where I was going. Yeah. Oh, Gordy. Fucking Gordy. I know. Holy shit, man. Yeah, that was good. Um, good stuff. It's, I'm going to carry that shit to my grave. Yep. It's gonna. There's gonna be a, a quote from Gordy on your grave on your tombstone. 
Ooh, do you think we could do a bonus episode where I do a commentary for Gordy? <laughs> I think you should. Okay. That should be for episode 100, like our oh, gift man. to the fans. I am. Heavy D biopic? What? Okay. Um, this is... I'm sorry. I was interrupting you. This is actually the Heavy D biopic. The recently deceased Heavy D from Heavy D and the Boys, right? That's called... Now that we found love. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. I'm so it's glad that Jim... Oh, heavy metal. Oh, God, Jim. Oh, yeah. Jim, oh. you were able to pull a Heavy D reference. I'm, like, so proud of you. Because okay. I'm heavy. No. No more interruptions. He, Please, he, Jim. He heavy. He's my brother. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm going off on now. Um, I I, uh, I gotta say, mm-hmm. when Patrick gets riled up and drunk, look out. Yeah. Is this this is, is this, this is, is huge? This, is this that one audio clip where I beat up a beggar? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where you beat up Scorsese and his film Hugo. Oh shit! Number one. Uh, Pat yourself on the back. Feel Here good. We pandering go. to film fans list is Hugo. If- Sorry. I was, <laughs> I was gonna, You're going to make me sound like I'm Star Chamber no, I ruling just, against Hugo. I, I was Hugh, hoping you'd Hugo say in the court. Hugo. Hugo. All right, cool. Thanks. Hugo is a movie um, about the man who's – the one man whose silent films everyone has seen. If this movie was about uh, – uh, you know, if this movie was about Murnau or it was about um, Carl Dreyer or anything like that, no one would care so much. But because it's about the one guy uh, who everyone's seen Trip to the Moon, everyone's gone on YouTube and looked at it, they feel good about themselves. Number one. Number two, it portrays that guy <laughs> as a whiny asshole. Do you guys realize this? He mm. has five years of unprecedented creative freedom and success. But after the war, people didn't like people didn't like fantasy anymore. So I locked my shit up and locked it away and never wanted to talk about it because I fell out of style. Like it, it portrays Louis Malls. I can't pronounce his last name. Malays. Mel- yeah. Something like that. Malay. It, pro- it, it portrays Malays as just a whiny asshole. Malays. It has the absolute number one, most bullshit boilerplate daddy issues plastered on ever. My, his dad literally blows up. That's all I, you know. I, I would agree with that. And that's not something that I usually like. Yeah, and, and you are definitely a sucker for daddy issues. I'm and a big old softy. And, and, even you a didn't softy. Give a and even you didn't give a shit. No. And the story is dumb. And it's like, well, it's a love letter to film. You know what's a love I, letter I, to I, film? I, a love letter to film is making make a, a good, good film. Movie. Wow. Yeah, I still like that movie. I, it's kind of crazy. Good. I could have I made that. I could have made my case a little better. But yeah, Hugo's a bad movie. And... Uh, in general, people who are like, oh, this movie's about movies, and I like movies, so I like this movie. Talk about a 180 from the Tarantino first episode we ever did. Why is that? It's just, you're on fire there. You're just firing on Oh, all yeah, yeah, there. as far as, oh, there we go. Uh, someone turned on the heater, so I uh, hope you can hear us fine. Oh, yeah. So, Patrick, so since we don't want this episode to go too long, yeah. I've also decided that at the end of this episode, I'm just going to string some other clips together with some music in the background maybe some of the shorter clips you'll hear just maybe like a little montage yeah you know just not maybe you know not like, not like an overabundance of them but you'll just hear some of the highlights that maybe we didn't get to but um um uh-huh i regret some things i've said including this clip called hyperbole 500 days of fuck oh that's right 
I think, yeah. like, the maybe... Go on. I'm, uh, yeah, I, you know, we'll there's talk nothing, about it. There's right. nothing more damning that you can say than to keep praising Revolutionary Road. So I'm not going to interrupt you. Uh, Go ahead. Anyway, Take Shelter. It's subtle. <laughs> it's slow. It's suspenseful. It's... It contains one of my all-time, I don't know, I don't want to say all-time. I always do that. I, I speak in hyperbole sometimes. Yes. Favorite moments. Do you remember when you said 500 Days of Summer is the best movie about relationships ever? Can, I'm, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, I can't believe that I ever said that. It's true. We're huge fans of character actors on this podcast. Oh, shit. Including, and you were actually asking about this, and I found the origin of our love and our almost uh, surprising decision to turn us into the James LeGrow cast. Oh, shit. James LeGrow, also of uh, drugstore cowboy fame. And safe. And safe. And uh, Scotland, PA, which I is one of my favorite I think even Breakdown. He might even be in Breakdown. James LeGrow, way to fucking pick your roles, man. I mean, I understand. Zodiac. Zodi- yeah. Way to fucking. fucking- James Le- <laughs> We're changing the podcast, everybody. Yeah. It's the James LeGrow cast. We're just talking about James LeGrow. Uh, we're talking about probably um, was delirious. What? No, living in oblivion. Oh, oh god! Fucking living disgusting. in oblivion, yeah. where he plays no, no, Bra- no. a Brad Pitt stand-in. Discussing the cinematic masterpiece, Real Men. Oh, I haven't seen that. You've never wait. You've never seen. Wait a minute, Jim. You've never minute. seen Real Men. Real Men. Real Men. Real Have you men. seen Real Men, Jim? Is, I'm looking at one right now. Not yeah, <laughs> I've seen Real Men. All right, in my room. Wow, I really like James LeGrow. Of course, how could you not? Look at all the movies. Is he, he's in, been a film? Is he in like a TV show now? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't checked up on him lately. I think he's in like a TV show. I think I remember someone saying on a TV show. Whoa. All right, what, what's next? <laughs> we gotta get through this shit quick. It's already two a.m. I know we're getting there. I gotta say, one of the funnier moments is uh, somehow equating—I want to say—Tree of Life with Uncle Buck. Hey, guy. You, hey, listeners. Do you have you know you like art movies and you have parents who are kind of square and they don't like art movies? Um, if those parents are religious, go ahead and you know prepare them for the movie and sort of maybe give them a primer on sort of the themes being tackled. If, if they're really deeply religious, like my dad does not watch art movies. My dad doesn't really like movies at all. But I feel, you know, like Uncle Boon me, like this is almost a meditation. I thought you were going to say Uncle Buck. I was worried. <laughs> you know, this is a deeper, deeply religious movie. Like, you know, Uncle Buck was about Jesus Christ because John Candy is Jesus Christ. Like when he flipped the pancake yeah. with a shovel? Do you remember that part where – That was a uh, metaphor Macaulay, for God. Do you remember when Macaulay Culkin, he was like keeping Jesus Christ outside of in the door? <laughs> Isn't that what we all do with Jesus? You know, we question him. We ask so many questions instead of just letting him in even though he would improve mm-hmm. our life. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it. I do like John Hughes because he made that one movie about Jesus Christ. Holy shit. What's next, Jim? Quick. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. I got to admit, one of our classic arguments, Patrick. Hit it. It's got to be somewhere. Yeah. It's a movie about a guy who basically has lost the ability to feel pleasure. Uh-huh. And when his daughter's around... He feels a little bit of pleasure, right? And then she leaves, and he feels like shit again. And then he makes a phone call trying to connect to somebody, and he can't. Uh-huh. And like he's, this movie should have just been called "Enter the Void," because it is a void. It's like a, a large, you know, ninety-minute representation of nothingness. And I found that nothingness to be hypnotic. It wasn't like I had this epiphany watching it, going, "Oh, I know what that's like," because I'm, I don't. It's not something I related to necessarily. 
it's something I just found interesting to watch. I don't think it. I think it's probably her least successful movie. I don't even like it as much as Virgin Suicides, but I didn't think it was horrible. <laughs> I sat there and I was hypnotized the whole time because I was like, "Wow, nothing's happening." Yeah. How interesting. How like Jim, imaginative. I have, I, have, I have another question for you. What do you find that you enjoy movies more if you don't press play? <laughs> Because then nothing happens. If you just put a movie DVD in the tray, any mo- that's that's how that's called somewhere edition. Mm. You put the DVD in the tray, you don't press play, and then you just watch the menu repeat itself. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what this movie is. It just hits the same beats over and over again. Um, uh, I don't think so. I mean, so there's, there's, there's scene changes. There's Fifth the- Element can turn into somewhere that way. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm giving you recommendations. I'm right. seeing what your taste is. Wow. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Yeah. One of our classic arguments right there is somewhere. I, that's not the last time we, we argued about somewhere either. No. We brought it up several times. Certainly. That was the first time, though. Yeah, that it really stuck in two. my craw. It really stuck in my craw how bad a movie it was. I noticed. Yeah. Have you watched it since? No. Yeah, neither have I. We should do a commentary for that as well. So we got commentaries for Gordy <laughs> somewhere. We're really hitting our audience. You know, we really know our niche market there. Yeah. The intersection between Gordy and Somewhere. So since we don't want this episode to go too long, yeah. I've also decided that at the end of this episode, I'm just going to string some other clips together with some music in the background. Maybe some of the shorter clips you'll hear, just maybe like a little montage. Yeah. You know, just not maybe, you know, not like, not like an overabundance of them, but you'll just hear some of the highlights that maybe we didn't get to. But, um... I'm curious about one more clip here before we wrap things up here because I wanted to keep this under an hour and a half. And yeah, yeah, sure thing. Hour and 15 mark here. So there's a clip here called The Worst Moment of Director's Club, and I forgot what that is. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I guess Baby Bird's got to fly. you got to let Baby Bird fly. And yeah, don't, don't put him in a corner. Don't put Baby, Baby Bird no. in the corner. No. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that was... Um, that was what I watched that week. This week, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Can you edit that out? <laughs> Can you look for the long pause in which, uh, in which we act like I'm we haven't surprised. done like twenty three episodes of this and we didn't know how to transition? <laughs> I, <laughs> with that, I do think yeah. though, uh, it's time that maybe we go into talking about our director. Well, that was a, a transition that failed, basically. We it didn't was know, fucking horrible. We didn't know what we were saying or what we were doing. We basically tried to be clever, and it failed. Yeah. See, we're not always funny and intelligent and wonderful and insightful. Worth listening to uh, have any kind of value whatsoever. We're not always punny. No, we're not always... We're not always not completely stupid. Yeah. And we're not always hysterically drunk and, yeah. you know... We're mostly bullshit. That's what we wanted to remind you, our loyal listeners, who have said so many nice things. But I think we're endearing in our bullshittiness. <laughs> the same way a three-legged dog is endearing, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. No, but there's, like, literally maybe 50 other clips that we didn't get to. But that's okay. Because, I, like I said, you've got 50 episodes yeah, yeah. To, that you can go back and listen to. And there's so many gems in there. And I couldn't be more happy and more proud of our accomplishments thus far. And a lot of dick jokes. And so many dick jokes. 
and so many absolutely's and you knows and ums. Um, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I couldn't thank my. Friend. This is what heat sounds like in my apartment, by the way. I want you people to know I don't have a radiator or anything like that. This I is just what the movie Heat sounds like in Patrick's apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's got about great ass. Yeah. And uh, I really want to thank Patrick so very much you. for being an incredible friend and uh, co-host. Because oh. it's been a great ride. Maybe I shouldn't have interrupted that sentence with "fuck you." <laughs> no, I'm used to that. Okay, that cool. On a regular basis. I love you. Love you too, Patrick. And we're really gonna have a great episode coming up very shortly in two weeks with the Cohen Brothers. Yeah. Featuring a live guest, Russ Woods. And a Skype guest, Matt Gamble. Wow. Yeah, previous guests, and it's going to be a great double bill there. And I think they might even disagree on Miller's Crossing. So who knows? We'll see. You'll have to see for that particular episode in two weeks. You're really... We could, we could work a little bit on our teases. We sure can. Yeah. We still need to work on closing out episodes, and we're still 50 episodes in. How's this? We just gave you three and a half hour, almost four hours of content, and then we gave you another hour and a half. How about we just end this with bye? Please visit us at directorsclubpodcast.com. You can email us at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit me at Twitter at Instant Gym. I'm at Patrick Krapol. And that'll about wrap it up. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. We really do love you. Enjoy the rest of the clips. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, James Tuback movie, Fingers. Uh-uh. There's a lot of uh, following uh, sort of Harvey Keitel around um, you know, what, Wasn't the sequel streets. called The Hand? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, it was The Arm. Right. And then it was just Upper Body. <laughs> yeah. That was a... When, that was did, a, when, did, they, when did they get to ass? <laughs> it's, again, it's coming out the end of September, I think. It was a big... It premiered at Cannes earlier this year. It was a big hit. It's a movie called Drive. Oh, oh my gosh, I want to see that so bad. <laughs> you should play the, the score to Social Network in the background while I'm typing. You can add that in later. I could. Yeah. Or we can just do our own version. Wow, you actually got that. That is how it sounds. The only, knows, the only score I know off the top of my head is uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Or Inception. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Duke is great in it, and um, oh, Bill Duke. you know Shane Black's in it, and Jeff, Jesse Ventura. They they you know they're not given the short stick. They all have sort of characters, and they're all given sort of moments on their own. Right, and th- that's that's a lot to the screenwriter's credit too for fleshing them out. Right. Yeah, they actually have uh, story arcs. Exactly, oh, cool. yeah. and it makes you actually care when they get picked off. Yeah, and I've 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 learned my lesson after seeing this movie to never make jokes about my girlfriend's pussy. Hey, we fucked. Right. And that means nothing to you? This is You're going to throw it all out because you're afraid of what your dad thinks or whatever? You know what? Fuck you. And right? I fucking hate Jodie Foster. And I, you know, whoa, I still like... Whoa, 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 no. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Where? Hate? Contact, man. It's, it's all... Contact. Oh! God, you're killing me. Jim defends every Zemeckis movie. His favorite movie of all time Except, is Christmas uh, Carol. Shut up. <laughs> no, not not Christmas <laughs> but, no, but Jim Jim defends Zemeckis more yeah, than Yeah, I do. Very much. And I hate Jodie Foster's voice in that movie what? so much that it it's like nails on a fucking chalkboard. What?
And the same with Silence of the Lambs. Like, I love Silence of the Lambs. Are you sure you're not thinking of Nell? (laughs) What do you you hate about her voice? Her accent is terrible. You know what, Jim? You know what? For for every 400 bad puns you make, sometimes you fucking pull nails on fucking Nell reference. Oh, God bless you, Jim. (laughs) I think think a flower will grow on the lungs, and it's like we are plants, and she's made of plants. Sounds like like most deaf as Michelle Gunther. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm, I'm nothing if not a master impressionist. Uh, But for me, the best Radiohead video is still just... Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> I had forgotten all about that. Oh no, that, that's what do you it think it was? What do you think? I, I never, I never want to know. I, if, if somebody tells me, I will, I will hurt them severely. I honestly, it's I'm one honestly, of those things that I never want to find out in my life because it's Adrian. I, I, with, I really am so disappointed yeah. that she was killed because I would love to see. <laughs> We're all disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking selfish. But I would love to see her grow as a filmmaker. (laughs) I totally agree, though. I mean, it's like... Wait! Oh, that was such a strange <laughs> sentence. I know. <laughs> we had that last time too. I know. Uh, I just, yeah, the sorry. time before. Um, before somebody said the, uh, I forgot about. It was about nine eleven. Remember yeah. that? That was funny. Um, no, nine uh, eleven was funny. Yeah. No, well, what can you say about the fucking ending of this movie? The ending. It's horrible. shit. Yeah, the it's completely really anticlimactic and dumb. It's just fucking let's how ironic. Let's play Freebird at the end of this movie, and that's what I feel like Rob Zombie is doing. He's constantly winking, constantly no, winking. There's so, not a lot of winking. like a lot of consciously, you know, um, rehearsed things hey, that feel forced. Hey Jim, the whole movie feels forced. Hey Jim, what do you like? Black Dynamite? Yeah, winking. Okay, my number one, Meeks cut off. Um. Yes. What do you like about it? Um, I can go into your bathroom right now yeah. and get myself a cup of tap water. Yeah, that's you know? so true. It's right there. It is. It's anywhere. I, 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 I can go to a water fountain at any time. I can get water whenever I want. Any gas station you pass? Yeah. Look at I got. I, I drink bottled water like a motherfucker. Him and David Lynch both all got offered wow. and turned down Return of the Jedi. They should have made wow. it together. Can you imagine the Sarlacc pit? Imagine the Sarlacc pit. This one big vagina. Yeah. But when the main big climax at the end is that he comes back to life due to the sheer power of her love. That's the power of love. That's that's exactly what Huey Lewis was warning about this whole time. I bet, I bet she can tighten her pussy muscles just the right way to make you come in 10 seconds. Like, that is the perfect, perfect line of dialogue like for a virgin 16-year-old. Like that is perfectly the their mindset, everything that is just incredible. I love that. This is almost it's it, it sadly become kind of a joke, but the MC Hammer video for "Can't Touch This" is with just his pants. <laughs> I don't remember the I don't remember it outside of the parachute That's the, pants. Uh, no, yeah, he had the parachute pants, and which you know emphasized his movement. Like, I'm a dastardly. Oh, look at me! I'm dashing, but I, oh, I'm a scoundrel. Ooh. <laughs> I love insane uh, cinematography I love just just something about him it, it, he seems like a, he seems like a, a, a guy where if he, if, he was, if he was your neighbor and you needed to borrow some barbecue sauce for that barbecue he'd be like fuck yeah here's your barbecue sauce that's, <laughs> and that's every time anytime here's I've seen your him barbecue sauce anytime I've 
Anytime I've seen Sam Raimi in interviews, he seems like the nicest, most down-to-earth guy. You need a friend who looks like Vince Vaughn to masturbate. One of Megadeth, the band's worst tendencies, is to, instead of singing the song, to just, like read like horrible satirical poetry <laughs> over guitar riffs hello me yeah. meet the real me yeah just like <laughs> just like they say pieces for here but na da 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 just horrible symphony of destruction right yeah we'll do a bonus podcast where we just list off every director yeah that we can think of <laughs> yeah we're gonna do a we're gonna do a Here's bonus turn it tune of Yakko's world <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna you know poo poo on you no. I'm not going to shit in your mouth. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, that's why we're good friends, by the way. Yeah. You, you just don't shit in my mouth. No. I do it in your cereal, but... Yeah. But I, I, I don't know, because I eat Cocoa Puffs. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you have a bad diet. So it just comes out like Cocoa Puffs. See, I don't understand how you can hate Cameron Crowe. Well, yeah. That's how it, it feels. Because he's so charming. Yeah, well, I mean, his movie, like... Okay, here's what it's like. It's like a puppy with roses <laughs> in its mouth, okay? And it's trotting along. It's doing that little puppy trot where it's half hopping because its legs aren't powerful yet. Okay. So it's hopping along with roses in its mouth, which is cute and adorable and, oh, see how wonderful life is? But it, then it takes the rose out of its mouth and goes, did you see before where I was just trotting around with the rose in my mouth? I really love roses. Oh, uh, puppy. Being a puppy is great. I love roses. And at that point, you just want to punch the puppy. I want to pet the puppy. Yeah. Damn it. We and don't need I fucking sh- Cherry Moon Zombie going, Shut the fuck up! Oh, and you the, and fucking, the fucking bitch! <laughs> 